0: that was everything, and so every time I talk to my kids about Sarah, uh, Scott's grandparents, their names are Mamaw and Papaw. Literally, <laughs> that's what what we call them in our family. And and Scott's Mamaw, um, ever since I've known her, I think she seemed to me like she was eighty five, even though really she's just now eighty five, because she's one of those women that um, she goes to the beauty shop once a week and she gets her hair done, um, and all ratted and poofed up, and then she wears a scarf over it the rest of the week and you know she she's just an amazing woman and so every time a godly godly um people which is such an incredible legacy for Scott's family. But every time um, we talk about Sarah in our family, I always say, like, that'd be like Mama getting pregnant. <laughs> you know, my kids are like, what? It kind of puts it into perspective of what that would look like. But we're just going to talk about their situation right now. We're not going to actually talk about what God did. So here's Sarah, Old Testament, having a baby is everything. And she's 90-something years old, and she's barren and never had a child. Okay, so then there's Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute in jericho which um was ungodly territory as you guys know from reading the bible so here she is prostitute probably not a great profession to have um in a city that is um a sinful city and that's her situation. There's Esther, who is basically, Esther is a Jewish orphan. She lives with her uncle, and um, he takes care of her, and she's living in captivity, basically, because the Israelites were in captivity at the time. So, she's a Jewish orphan, Orphan captive. All right. So that's her. Let's see who else we have on this. Deborah. Deborah is one of the twelve judges of Israel. Because we're talking about situations today. Sometimes when we say face situations or or what the plan is, it can be a good situation or it can be um, a bad situation. So Deborah, she's one of the 12 um, judges of Israel, and she is a leader. It says she's leading Israel at the time. So she's got a pretty sweet setup, even though it may be difficult to do that because... Um, In the Old Testament women were not the um, ones who really were leaders So Deborah stepped up to the plate and said okay fine. I'll lead Israel I'll be one of those twelve that step up and uh, do what God's called me to do So we got Deborah we have Ruth and Ruth. There's a whole book dedicated to Ruth and Ruth Ruth basically was a Moabite woman, and the Moabites, this is what the, um, if you like look at history, were like the wash basin is, is what their people were known as. So what that basically meant was it was like the deal back in the Old Testament and New Testament, like when you came in because you wore sandals, like you washed your feet. And so um, the water was muddy, dirty. Y'all know what it's like. You've, you may have been working in your backyard <laughs> the last few. Um, I think I spent more on my backyard getting ready for prom than I did on the prom <laughs> you know, anybody else like that? So um, they were known as the wash basin, and if that tells you the kind of reputation that Ruth would have. Now, um, that didn't mean that she was a bad person, but that's how everybody else saw her, which is an important thing to note. Um, you have Mary, the mother of Jesus, and so Mary, she's living in, she's a teenage girl, and she's living in a Roman-controlled Israel basically is where she's living. So all of these women had um, Situations that may be favorable, maybe not favorable. So I've given you the setup for that and this week You know as I was working on my message and you know, you just like it's a weird thing to work on a message Let me just say that it's a weird thing to be like, okay um, Is this gonna turn out even when I'm like standing back there you go? okay, God, is, what are you going to say? You know, you think like you know what you say, you're say you going to say, but you go, what do you want to say? Is this really going to work out? And as I was sitting there at my house, I'd been in my backyard, and I'd been thinking in my backyard, and I'd been at my kitchen table, and had been thinking at my kitchen table, you know, and I sat down one more time, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want to say? Like, what do you want to say? And I just felt these words come to my heart. So um, clearly, and it's point number one, and it says this, defining moments are not the things that happen to us. Defining moments are not the things that happen to us, okay? So, so many times, and I just was like, okay, that's good, Lord. I've typed it on my computer, you know? That, so many times, we take the things that happen to us, and we let them define us. Maybe it's a failed marriage. Maybe it's an addiction that snuck up on us and Um, we didn't ever see it coming, and now we're in the midst of that. Maybe it's a financial crisis. Maybe it's a delayed dream that you thought, I'll be here at this point in my life, and I'm not there yet. Uh, Maybe it's a sickness. And all of these things, we face these situations in our life, and we begin to let them define us. And then, because... Our inaction lets them define us and lets them say, oh, you're an alcoholic. Oh, you're a divorcee. Oh, you're a bad parent because you have a wayward child. Or, um, oh, you're financially blessed. So now you're on the top of the, um, the totem pole instead of the bottom of the totem pole. And, and so we begin to look at ourselves through these things that happen to us. And when we begin to do that and look at those situations, we let them begin to define us. And we begin to let them put those labels on us. Failure, um, bad parent unable I can't reach my dreams and that God is saying today is not what defines you because we're gonna go through life and we're gonna face situations and we're gonna face things that are hard and we may even face things that are big blessings to us but if we let them define who we are instead of letting God's Word and what we choose to do in those define us then we start seeing ourselves and we start seeing the world incorrectly let's look at these people um, and see what they what their definition what they could have done so you take sarah she's a barren person she's someone and god comes to her and he says i want to give you a child well if she would have let herself be defined by her barrenness instead of by god's promises what would happen today where would israel be today if we would have looked at esther and esther would have said She had a good situation. She had a good setup. The king liked her. He brought her in to replace Queen Vashti. And so she could have been like, I'm not putting myself in danger for the Israelites. I've got it good in the castle. I've got it good as the queen. But she chose to step up to the plate. What if Rahab said, "Uh -uh, I'm going to tell on them and not uh, for the spies that are coming in to Jericho. I'm going to tell on the spies. And I'm going to, because I'm a prostitute and I can leverage that, but they didn't do that. They didn't let their circumstance that they had define them. Here's what they let define them. You guys go to number two in your notes. It says this, in God's sight, this isn't number two yet, but in God's sight, it was not the, def- the event that defined them. It was the way that they chose to react to that event that did define them and did define their future. Number two is this, defining moments... Are the choices we make when things happen to us defining moments? Are the choices that we make when things happen to us, and we have control over that by the faith that we have? Sarah said, "Okay, I'll have a baby. I'll let um, you know, if Scott's grandma walked in here today at 85 years old and she was pregnant, what would y'all think?" Yeah, right, exactly. Okay, it would be ridiculous. And sometimes God's promises and God, the situations that he throws at us, they can seem ridiculous if we step out in faith, can't they? And that's exactly what Sarah said. I will step out in faith. Did she get it right the first time? No. The first time, what she actually did was she gave her servant to Abraham, and then they had a baby named Ishmael, and that's who the Arabs and the or the Arabs and um, the Israelites are still fighting to this day because of that baby because she messed up. But then she got herself together and she said, "Okay, because God's grace." Let me say this: even sometimes in those defining moments when we mess up and we make the wrong decision, God's grace is even still bigger. And still um, larger than the mistakes that we make because God Sarah makes this mistake they have Ishmael through this servant Hagar and God comes back to them and says okay you are gonna have a child this isn't it stop trying to make things happen on your own and trust me And they're like, okay. And so then they have the child of the promise. Then they're obedient. And they have Isaac, this child. So let me say, I think that's such a great example. Because you may have a situation in your life, and you may not react to it right the first time. But you know what? God doesn't give up on you. Like, just process that and take that in. God does not give up on you. God's grace is always bigger. His plans are always full of more love than our mistakes. So it was Sarah and Abraham's choice in the midst of that crossroads. At that why, they got to choose. Do I trust or do I go my own way? That was their defining moment. Rahab got to choose. Do I hide the spies and do I trust God? Because if you look at the text, it says that... um, that she had heard about the God of Israel. She had heard about the God of Israel, and she knew who he was, and so let me tell you, you guys have heard about the amazing things that God can do, but you may not have taken the choice to go the hard route and hide the spies. But she chose to say, I'll hide the spies instead of like blowing the whistle and because of that, her whole family was saved. They said, bring the whole family in. And listen, she was, a, she was from Jericho. She was a prostitute. And do you know who she ends up being the mother of? She ends up being the mother of Boaz, who was the great-grandfather of King David, who Jesus descended from. So she had a Y in the road. Can I make the hard choice? Can I let that define me even though it's hard? Or am I going to stay a prostitute and let that define me my whole life? But she chose to do, the, to do the thing, the faith thing that God was calling her to do. And her choice and decision brought blessing through the rest of her life and through her descendants' life and through our life, basically, because her descendants were Christ. Esther, what did she do? She chose. She said, well, you know what? If I go into the king, here's the defining moment. Mordecai is saying, hey, you need to go in there and you tell him that uh, this whole plan that Haman has hatched to kill all the Israelites, you need to go in there and do something as the queen, okay? And back then, basically, you couldn't go to the king. I don't know if you guys have ever read this or not, but you couldn't go to the king because so here's the king. He's sitting with his golden scepter, right? and just hanging out all day. And so if Esther goes into the king to just chat it up, right? And the king does not like he doesn't go, "Ooh, she looks really good. Okay, I'm going to extend the golden scepter." And then she doesn't die. Okay, if she comes in and he's like maybe in a bad mood that day, he's not in the mood to see Queen Esther, he's eating dinner, he's hanging out with his friends, whatever, and he doesn't do the golden scepter thing, then she dies. And it would be very realistic for her to think that she was going to die because he had just killed Queen Vashti right? He just killed her for basically defying him. And Esther going to him would be basically defying or going against the grain of how that was supposed to be. But she said, okay, fine. I'll fast and pray. Has God ever called you to fast and pray? And you're like, I'm too hungry to fast, Lord. (laughs) This is going to be too hard, right? About 10 or 12 years ago, I drank Diet Coke my entire life and since sixth grade. And um, we're doing this fast at our church in I felt like the Lord was like laying on my heart, like, um, I want you to fast Diet Coke for a whole year. I'm like, the fast is only for a week, Lord. <laughs> you know, weren't you listening to the pastor? Um, you know, and it was like, no, we need to fast Diet Coke for a whole year. And so I told my friend, I'm like, I think I'm gonna fast Diet Coke, and she said, for how long? And I said, The whole year. <laughs> you know, it was a crazy thing. And it was hard to do. But from that, I've never had a Diet Coke again in like 12 or however long years ago that was. And I felt like that was something that God wanted me to give to him. It's not always easy to take those roots. And so she said, okay, have everybody fast and pray. I'm going to fast and pray, and I'm going to go in before the king. And I, I will plead on Israel's behalf. And so they did that, they fasted, they prayed, they did all that stuff. She goes in to the king and he extends the gold scepter. And if you guys have ever read the book of Esther, all um, of basically the bad people that were going to go against Israel were killed and God saved Israel. And it was for one woman's act of faith that God saved Israel. Because today, we're talking about, I got it from my mama. You know, that's basically the theme for today. And let me say that these decisions that we make, these defining moments that God gives us the opportunity to have in our life, they don't just affect us. These defining moments affect our legacy. They affect our descendants. They affect the people around us for what God wants to do in their lives. And Esther is a perfect example of that. But she could have chosen to say, "Uh uh-uh, I am living it up. In the king's palace, I am not gonna do that. I'm not putting my life in danger. So it's not just bad situations It's good blessings that God gives us and asks us to leverage for him And it's our choice whether we let that define us. We let us define us as a godly legacy Who's the next one? Um Esther we have talked about Ruth Deborah I'll just say Deborah she's my hero because I'm sure she it was hard for her to be the person that she was in Old Testament times and God comes to Deborah I know these are a lot of examples but it's so great to build the case for that because like I said it transposes to our life and what God wants to do for us and Deborah is called to be this leader God may be calling you some of you ladies to be a leader in a certain area in your job maybe even um, with your neighbors or your your co-workers, or take some spiritual leadership in your family if that needs the case at the moment to do those things. And it's not always easy to do that. And Deborah said, you know, basically God says, go, you can defeat Sisera, you can uh, defeat the whole army because Israel will be oppressed and then God would raise up a judge and then they would be delivered and then they'd sin again. And so They'd come another people, and they'd oppress them to teach them a lesson. And so Deborah's just in the cycle of this whole thing. It was before Israel had a king. And so she said, "Uh, God's going to deliver us into the hands of Sisera. And so she goes to Barak, and she says, go, lead the army. And he says, no, I want you to do that. She said, oh, my gosh, do I have to do everything around here? (laughs) Just kidding. Anybody ever said that, woman? (laughs) And so, you know, she gets up and she leads the army, you know, and they defeat Sisera, drive a tent peg through his uh, temple of his school, and they defeat him. And then let's look at the last one, Mary. Mm. Mary's a teenager. She's in Roman captivity, basically. And an angel comes to her, she's not married, and says, I want you to have the Son of God. I want you to have the Son of God, all right? So let's just count this up, all right? Let's see, my daughter, she's uh, 17 years old, okay? Do you think if she came to me and she said, (laughs) uh, she said, (laughs) everybody's with me on this, right? (laughs) Okay, and she said, an angel came to me and I am pregnant, but I am a virgin. (laughs) What do y'all think I would say? And what do y'all think Scott would say? (laughs) Maybe that'd be a better one, right? I mean, we'd be like, you know, good try, nice try. Uh, we know you're a pastor's kid, but. Uh, and, you know, and so Mary, like, she's weighing all of these consequences in her mind of the why and the road, okay? Here she is, an angel comes to her and says she's got a choice to make. The situation didn't define her. The choice she made in that why defined her. So, okay, I gotta tell Joseph, I'm gonna have to tell my parents, I'm gonna have to walk around for nine months pregnant, really for the rest of my life. And probably nobody's gonna, most people are not gonna believe me for the rest of my life. And do you know what she says? She says, Let it be as you say to the angel. Let it be as you say boy, if we could have the same heart, when God births a vision in us, when God calls us to do something, when we're faced with a decision in our life or a bad circumstance or a good circumstance, if we could be the church that says, let it be as you say, God. I'm going to let my decision and I'm going to act in faith be my defining moment. That's going to be my defining moment. And we could rise above the lies of Satan that say, this thing that's happened to me defines me. This negative thing, this divorce, this addiction, this sickness, this financial disaster, this wayward child, whatever the, you put your label on it and say, no, that does not define me. God's word defines me and I'm going to make my choices based on what God's word says about me. Those are our defining moments. Those are the things where we can look back and we can go, I have lived a life defined by making the name of Jesus famous in everything that I do. Because when we do that, it draws other people. And God created us to make a difference, to make a purpose or have a purpose in this life. So when we begin to live that out, There's no greater fulfillment than doing that. There's no greater fulfillment than doing it. So you may say, okay, I'm committed to this defining moment thing. I'm committed to making these choices and decisions. I understand now that it is not the thing that defines me. It's the choice I make that defines me. But then point number three of this message says, uh, well, before I say what point number three is, what if it doesn't work out how you want it to work out? Because, boy, all these things, I'm like, woo, praise the Lord, and defining moments, and Israel was saved, and Mary had Jesus, and, you know, Rahab was rescued. And so, all of these I kind of gave you like the woo woo, right? But what if it doesn't turn out? What happens when you trust God and it doesn't turn out? Write this down. Number three, trust God. For the end result trust god for the end result and i mean like the end 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 result not like the end right now result but the way far end result because we are so temporary you know what like god i need it to work out like okay i'll give you a year lord or i'll give you a couple years or you know whatever but god is saying no trust me until the very in. Uh, look at this scripture in Hebrews 11. It says this, Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13. All of these, okay, it's just gotten through talking about, it. you guys, if you may have heard this before, that um, Hebrews chapter 11 is called like the chapter of faith, the hall of faith. And it goes through and it lists all these people who had amazing faith. Abraham's in there, Noah's in there, Rahab's in there, all these people. Okay, and it lists all of their stories. And then this is what it says about it. All these Died in faith. This version right here, when you see um, those italics right there, this is the amplified version. If you guys are ever studying out of Scripture, and you can change it around in the Bible app, and go to different versions. The Amplified version is a great version to just cross-reference, not a reading version, but it's a great reference if you're like, what is the deeper meaning? Because this is like true um, and a closer interpretation to like the original Greek and Hebrew. So Amplified is a great one to kind of cross-reference what you're talking about. And it says, all these died in faith, guided and sustained um, by it. This is the important part. Without receiving the tangible fulfillment of, of God's promises, only having seen, anticipated them, and having welcomed them from a distance, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Okay, what does that mean? We leave that scripture up there what that means is is that a lot of these people they didn't ever get the blessing from it they did it by faith knowing that it was for generations that were down the road and it was enough for them to honor god in their faith knowing that god works it out in the end god owns it all god is the one that's in control um, so things, let me just say this because this is such a huge disillusionment for Christians when something happens in their life and they pray and they ask God and they believe God and they're trusting in his promises and then it ends up not turning out the way that they thought. And people say, God didn't come through for me. God, God didn't answer my prayer. Well, this, this, is, this is tough stuff of faith. God doesn't always answer prayers the way that we want him to answer them. But that doesn't mean that he's not working on our behalf. We can't just, trust is not trust at all if it's just trust in the good times. Trust is trust through all the times. And and you have to commit to that when you start your walk as a Christian. Because you are going to face things that are difficult. And so you have to say, okay, God, I'm consciously making this decision while it's not tough that I'm going to trust you for the long haul. Because then when it gets tough, you can reference that, that clarity moment that you had at the beginning. I'm going to trust you anyway, even if I only see your promises from a distance. I'm going to trust them for my kids. I'm going to trust them for those who are watching who made me salvation and they're looking at my faith even in the midst of storms. I'm going to trust you till the end. I'm going to trust you till the end. That, that's what we do. We have faith in the end. And, and that's not always an easy thing. And then the last thing, how do we get ready for defining moments? How do we get ready? Um, you have to prepare. You got to prepare for defining moments okay it 's just like if if I am not running every day i 'm not going to go run the memorial marathon right <laughs> okay uh, that 's not happening, and we 've all seen people who tried to run a marathon and they didn 't train for it, and what do they look like at about mile? Seven., <laughs> you know, I'll give them seven at least. Yeah, you can't do it. And it's the same thing. We think, eh, oh, I can kind of live my life halfway, And then when things get tough, I'm going to really press into God. But it's much more difficult to do that if you haven't been developing your spiritual muscle memory. You haven't been developing like trusting God in the little things, like a parking place at the mall. <laughs> you, you, haven't, you haven't been developing that muscle memory. And so I encourage you to go all in. That's how you prepare for the defining moments. That's why we tell you to go through growth track. Growth track is a growth track track. It helps you grow in your faith. It helps you to get connected to things that will build you like small groups, to things like serving, to relationships with other people, to solid biblical principles of how to grow and and how to read your Bible and how to pray. You got to develop that spiritual muscle memory. And, And that's a daily thing. Some of you guys are kicking around the tires kicking around the tires you're like uh oh, do I like this car do I not like this car called Jesus I'm not sure it's kind of like um we went and shot for Avery a prom dress and, and we found this really great prom dress like she tried it on and we're like oh you know, like that's what it was like in the dressing room and uh you know I'm like oh I loved it but I looked at the price tag I didn't love it <laughs> you know I was more than I wanted to spend right so she's trying it on I say let's go let's go look around Let's leave this one here and we'll go look around. So we go out to the parking lot. We're walking out to the car. And uh, I looked at Avery. And I'm just like, we're not going to find anything better than that. Let's just let's just get that dress, okay? And so we got it. I said, don't tell your dad. I'm <laughs> okay. <laughs> Girls, you know you've done it, right? <laughs> okay. And uh, so anyway, I haven't told Scott that either, so I'm telling myself. Um, anyway and bought the dress and let me tell you last saturday night when she put that dress on and she was all ready for prom like i I was just like i could i mean i just could not stop looking at her because i just thought i mean of course she's my daughter that is so beautiful right and that's how it is you get in here in church and you're like gosh that feels so good it feels so good and i feel so clean i feel like so encouraged but you walk out and you're like man, that might cost me more than I really want to (laughs) pay to be committed to that, to get involved in a small group, to go through growth track, to really pray and commit to reading my Bible every day. But I promise you, if if you'll stop walking out of the dressing room without purchasing the dress, and you'll purchase the dress or buy the car for all you guys that are kicking the tires around, on the day, whether it's the day that you have the defining moment, is in this current moment. And and God's saying, no, it's not the current moment. It's the long haul. You know, Scott calls me a micro cheer. If we watch the Thunder Game, I'm like, oh, we're losing. Oh, we're winning. Oh, gosh, we're losing. You know, and it's like this emotional mess. He's like, Jenny, it's four quarters, okay? This is only the first quarter. And I'm like, okay, I can just relax because I'm a micro cheer. It's like, in the moment, in the moment. And some of us are living our lives like that instead of going, no, I'm going to trust God for the long run. This may stink right now. This may really stink, but I believe that God is working for my good and that he I'm gonna overcome and that God's got me. And I want to share these scriptures because I did not share these, and this is super important, and I gotta hurry because I'm long-winded. But um, in Joshua, will you guys put that up there? It's in the point before, Joshua 24, 14. We're talking about spiritual muscle memory, and life is not a marathon, not a sprint. Joshua he's going through something, but if you were refuse to serve the Lord, choose who you're going to serve. Would you prefer the gods, your ancestors served or this or that? But as for me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. I don't care what happens. I don't care what temptation. My kids are, Avery just got a job. I said, you don't work on Sundays and Wednesdays. That's that's bottom line. Those are the days that we worship together as a family. When she played soccer, we didn't play. I talked to the coach. They actually rearranged the games so that she do not play soccer on Sunday morning so that we could go to church. We're going to serve the Lord because ultimately that's the plan for our life. And God will honor that when we make those choices, when we commit to that, when we commit to the marathon and not the sprint. The next scripture says this in Genesis 50, 20. You intended to harm me. This is so good. But God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Some of you, you may have had situations happen to you, and you're choosing how you're going to respond to them. It's not fair. Why did they do this to me? I didn't want this divorce. Why, why did this person you know, dump this stuff on me? I've had people dump things on me, and I'm like, I don't want that, right? But I don't have any control over it. They dump it on me but you know what? I can choose to look at eyes of faith. Here's Joseph. He'd been dumped in a pit. He'd been in prison. He'd been all of these places until he finally winds up in Pharaoh's house and his brothers come and he says, no, 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 don't worry. You may have offended me. You dumped me in a pit. You did all these things. I spent my life in prison. A lot of us would like to pour me in, right? We like to say, oh, but they did this to me and that's why my life is how it is right now. Oh, well, that's why I'm so bitter, because they did this to me. Who has control over your life? Does God or that person who did it to you? God has control. You say, you meant it for harm, but God used that to make a difference, to save many lives, to change me, to impact my kids, to work through me. Because I am not defined by my situations. I am defined by who God says I am. Scripture number three says this in Deuteronomy. If you listen to the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today, if you listen, if you follow them, if you trust, if you have faith, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be the top and never on bottom. Can you grab hold of that in your spirit? No, you may not be the richest. You may not be the most popular. You may not be, but God's talking about spirit things. God's talking about the things that really matter. You're going to be the head and not the tail. You're going to be on the top and not the bottom whenever you put your life in your hands in God. Okay, and then the last one says this in 2 Peter 1, 3. Because it's hard to do that. And this is important for us to take hold of our faith. And I want you to know this. For his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. God's equipped you. Don't play victim. Don't play like I can't do it. Yeah, sometimes you gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps and say, I'm gonna do this. I'm not gonna lose. I am going to overcome because the God's word says He's given me everything I need. So I'm gonna choose to believe that no matter how I feel, no matter what somebody's done to me, no matter what crappy situation comes in my life. I probably shouldn't say that word on the platform, but sorry. Okay. That God is for me, and I believe it. And I'm gonna make my decisions, and I'm gonna act on that, and I'm gonna have the things that God says about me and the faith that I have define me. That's the kind of person I'm gonna be. That's the kind of Christian I'm gonna be. That's the kind of legacy that I'm going to leave. Hey, I'm not making these decisions just for me. I'm making these decisions for these kids that are up here and down here on the front row and for a family that's not saved that I have watching me. I'm making those decisions for the legacy that I'm going to leave, that I can impact and change their lives by the decisions I make today. And God wants to do that same thing in you. He wants you to be more than a conqueror is what the Bible says. He wants you to have a blessed life. He wants you to succeed, to be the head and not the tail. And he's just waiting for you to step up and go, okay, I'm going to choose faith. My words are going to be faith. They're not going to be negative. I'm not going to speak negative and then expect faith things to happen. The Bible says that we overcome by the word of our testimony, By the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Do you realize how powerful that is? It's not just because of what Jesus did for us that we overcome, but the Bible says it's two parts. It's by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus did, and the word of our testimony. What we say. Am I going to believe? Am I going to speak it in faith? Would you bow your heads with me and let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. And God, we believe, Lord, every single thing. God, today I pray that you begin to restore that hope. I pray, Father, that you begin to restore, God, their belief, God, in who they are in you. I pray, Father, that they begin to take hold of that and no longer let Satan hold them captive to those negative labels, to those negative things, God, and they would stand up, Lord, in who you have called them to be this morning, if you feel like, just keep your heads bowed. If you feel like, man, that's God talking to me. I've kind of succumbed to that, believing that about myself. And I, I need to rise up in faith. And I'd love for you to pray for me. I want to take that step. Um, when I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand. And just say, that's me. I'm not going to call you up here. I'm not going to, you know, make you stand up or anything like that. I just want to agree with you this morning that that you're having a turning point in your life today. And you're saying, I'm gonna take hold. So when I count to three, will you raise your hand and we're gonna pray together. One, two, three, will you raise your hands? Absolutely, yeah, everywhere people are raising their hands. God sees that, yeah, I see your hand, you can put your hand down. Anybody else, you say, that's me, I need to rise up in faith today. I need to take hold of what God has for me absolutely I saw that as I pray you just you can whisper it you can say it in your heart whatever you want to do but God has you here today for a reason and he already sees that step of faith that you're taking and I, I want to encourage you to move on that step let's pray Father God thank you Lord that you're faithful that you're a restorer, God. That, Father, there, there's no thing that can happen to us or that we can do, God, that can keep us from your destiny for our life. And so, Father, today I pray, Lord, for each one of these who've raised their hand, God, that, that Lord, you'd show them this morning how much you love them, how you adore them, God. God. how you have great plans and that those plans have not changed, that you would renew their hope in their future. Help them to realize life is a marathon, not a sprint. I pray, Father, help them to commit to growing, commit to start taking steps, Lord. Father, we